Set a spark to your integrated business and marketing strategies with America's top entrepreneurs and business leaders here at Integrate and Ignite with your host, Lori Jones. Welcome to the Integrate and Ignite podcast. Account-based marketing, or ABM, is a marketing strategy in which sales and marketing target a list of accounts, use one or more channels to communicate with key decision makers, and measure results at the account level. ABM will pass a tipping point for the first time the majority of B2B marketers are expected to deploy this marketing strategy at their companies, and it will consume on average 28% of total marketing budgets. And today we're going to be talking about ABM with Annie Wisner, who is the CMO of Whisper, one of the world's fastest growing software as a service communications workflow platforms. Annie began her career as a management associate at Citicorp and soon pivoted to a career in Silicon Silicon Valley, spending seven years at Oracle as a key contributor to its first marketing and channel programs. She followed that up with 11 years at Microsoft and held several strategic global leadership positions. We're so excited to have you on the show again, Annie. Welcome to Integrate and Ignite. Thank you so much for having me, Lori. It's such a pleasure to be back on Integrate and Ignite. Well, I tell you, you I'm, I'm thrilled to have you. I always have been, always will be. So hopefully this isn't your second, um, but we'll be talking, you know, a year from now about more great topics uh, that you want to share with our audience. You've had an incredible career holding great, great C-suite positions, quite frankly. So there's so much that you do in your CMO role. Um, tell us a little bit more about your story. Absolutely. So I was fortunate to gain a wide range of experience in my positions at Oracle and Microsoft, including the global launch of Oracle's customer marketing and success program. Back then, we didn't have so much specialization. So the roles were really, really broad. So if you were doing customer marketing, you were also doing customer success. I also got to run Oracle's partner program for the Americas. I oversaw the redesign of Microsoft's partner portal and program framework. And I, I also had the opportunity to own uh, Microsoft Inspire, their largest global annual event. And finally, at Microsoft, I was able to help establish their B2B business um, in the mid-market space, as well as their cloud go-to-market approach. Following these roles, I took on marketing leadership roles at mid-market SaaS companies. Um, and I'm now the CMO at Whisper, marking my third turn as head of marketing. I chose Whisper because the company is on a mission to deliver the world's highest engagement rates with their omni-channel communication platform. And I really believe that staying connected in our increasingly hectic and digital world is more important than ever. So this idea of making more relevant, meaningful connections really spoke to me. And in fact, the name Whisper is all about if we are approaching someone with relevancy and if we really know them, we don't have to shout. We can actually lean into their personal space and we can whisper and they'll hear our message. So I really loved that idea. Oh my gosh. I did not understand that meaning until you just shared it with me right now. And it is so incredible. And and it ties so beautifully into ABM, right? Uh, because mm -hmm. all too often that connection between sales and marketing 
is lost. There's tension. Marketing is saying we're delivering you leads and sales is saying, yeah, but we don't want those leads. We need something different. So this concept of ABM really allows more cohesion as uh, marketers really begin to work hand in hand with sales. Leadership, you've held these incredible leadership roles, big ones, which I just think, I mean, congratulations, first off, it's, it's incredibly exciting. And Whisper, you know, isn't necessarily an enterprise organization yet. It's going to get there, um, you know, compared to Microsoft and and Oracle. Two-part question here. What was so exciting to you to move to an organization that you knew ultimately you could um, help build from, you know, the ground up? And then what are some of the most important decisions that you're making at Whisper? Yeah, I... Moving to the mid-sized business space from enterprise is a really interesting journey. One of the things that, as you said, makes it exciting is the opportunity to build. Uh, when you're in environments like Microsoft and Amazon and Google, a lot of times it's about optimizing profit margins, streamlining existing processes, et cetera. But when you move into the mid-sized space, it's about building from the ground up. And I, I really enjoyed leveraging the techniques and skills I developed in the enterprise world and bringing them to the uh, more emerging markets. What was really interesting about it and something that everyone has to learn that does this is just how much of that infrastructure and framework you bring. Obviously, in these smaller businesses, one of the benefits is that you can be a lot more agile and you could be a lot more free with your decision making. Um, you can also test a lot more. So you really have to balance that, meaning that you don't want to bring too much infrastructure into these smaller businesses. In, in terms of decisions, there's a lot of decisions marketing leaders make around people, organizational structure, job functions, in-house versus outsourced, marketing and go-to-market strategy, where you'll place your bets, and so much more. But to me, there is one singular decision that you'll make again and again, regardless of the company, that defines the type of leader you are and if you will succeed or fail. And that decision is whether or not to accept the status quo. Because if you want to take the next step in your career to become head of marketing, it's likely that you'll enter a situation where the previous leader hit a roadblock and lacked the skill or courage or both to push through. And if you're the first CMO for a startup, you'll face similar challenges. It comes down to a combination of your ability to sell your ideas and the rest of the leadership team's ability to align with your ideas and support you. I love that. And um, that status quo, I think, is one of those areas that either, you know, they make or break leaders today. And it's it's that mindset of wanting to move forward or getting stuck in the mud. And I think change is hard for people. But why are marketers so afraid of change? Yeah. You know, I'll give you a common example in the SaaS world. If, if the business objective is to pivot to a new industry market or product or break through a growth barrier, if you're a good marketing leader, you'll quickly identify the problems and know how to solve them. Because departments and functions in the SaaS in a SaaS business are so integrated, and I'd argue that it's really that way in all industries now, before you make a move, you'll really need to gain buy-in first. And what's fascinating is the level of resistance most people have to change. Even if they say, hey, we need to change, their actions often indicate the opposite. You'll see teams and even leaders sidestepping visible problems 
instead and instead increase the pressure on tactical execution, doubling down on what's not working, which leads to goals that are more and more unattainable and ultimately creates a culture of failure. The futility of this is hard to fathom because we all know that doing the same things yields the same results. So, so I think what happens is that a lot of times executives, especially marketers, want to be liked. You know, we want to work with our colleagues. Um, we want to, uh, we know that we need that relationship capital to, to sell our ideas. So if you're really coming in and you're rocking the boat, there's a chance that you might be exposing um, processes that, that aren't working, et cetera, and you could alienate yourself from your colleagues. So I think, I think a big reason why people don't change or, or avoid uh, forcing changes because of that, that fear of being isolated or disliked. And, you know, we've all been there. We've certainly worked with brands where a new CMO comes in and the entire, you know, mid-level management team underneath her is going to change because they're not going, you know, they don't want that change. They, they're afraid of, you know, moving in the direction um, that that CMO wants to move. What do you do in those situations to really motivate people and, and create that alignment? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, some people have static mindsets and are completely unaware of it. And in addition to not liking change, there are people who personalize business processes, almost as if these processes are an extension of themselves. This introduces friction, forming a distraction against the visible evidence of the broken business practices. By making things emotional and personal, they hold the business progress hostage. And they're oblivious to how much they're costing the business because they are convinced they're protecting it. The ideal scenario, if you find yourself in this situation, is to figure out how to win people's hearts and minds. Break down for them how their resistance is impacting results. Introduce a third-party expert to speak on your behalf or put together a presentation that tackles the issue from a new creative angle. And if you can, make them think that the change is their idea and ask them to work with you to overcome the challenge together. And I would imagine that providing them the specific data points uh, regarding the view and the lens in which you're working through and seeing, you know, the, the, the components that will drive a, a new program are pretty relative. Yeah. I mean, the first time I led a business through this type of transformation and significantly improved results, I assumed that everybody would be happy with the measurable growth. This was a really a rookie mistake. <laughs> well, growth, growth mindset employees celebrated these changes. Some others didn't. Um, and, you know, if you've tried everything possible to drive alignment, you can't achieve it. At some point, you'll need to decide again if you'll accept the status quo. And you'll know the answer to this if it impacts your ability to operate effectively and generate results. I mean, if you can't do your job without the change, then you move to the next phase of the process, which is you have to enforce it. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you are truly an incredible leader. And, um, you know, a lot of these leadership decisions are tough ones. And the insights that you're uh, sharing with our audience today are greatly appreciated. Um, your sweet spot, and we're going to roll up our sleeves now and really um, get into to ABM here, which is your sweet spot. And this form of demand generation is something that is very, very unique. It's difficult to deploy because there's just so many, um, you know, you've got to be so closely aligned with sales and know precisely who your audience is and, and you know, where you're going to be going. What do you feel is the 
biggest difference between ABM-centric demand generation versus traditional demand generation that many, many brands are deploying today? Absolutely. So when you hear the term ABM-centric, people often assume, I want to stop all inbound motions entirely. Um, But nothing could be further from the truth. The idea is to focus budget on ABM motions to capture ideal customers. So instead of general Google ads and a spray and pray approach, you're directing your most expensive marketing tactics to accounts that match your ICP. And also you're looking at analysis around what they already have installed. Do they have intent and whatever other crucial criteria that you defined. Then um, once you've got that motion going, you can leverage all of the content materials you've created for your ABM campaigns to fuel your organic demand generation engine. And you can fill gaps with SEO driven content. So not every piece of content, if you're ABM centric, is going to be about that ABM centric model. Some of it's going to be more general SEO driven content. And then to get teams to embrace this model, I initially take a very hands-on approach. It helps that I found success in the past um, with ABM models. So I'm able to highlight real examples with positive outcomes. And I also have templates and processes that I've refined that really accelerate the onboarding process. So I think the first time you roll out ABM is going to be the hardest. And once you've sort of figured out, you know, you need email sequences, you need the targeting process, you need a campaign framework, you know, you have to pick the engines you're going to utilize. Once you've got it done, you can just sort of rinse and repeat. And so rinse and repeat is a great position to be in for many brands because, you know, they've already been through some of this and and they're um, developing it. For those that have not yet, what do you feel is the most important component of establishing Um, an ABM-centric approach within their organization? The first step is to define your ideal customers. You could have one or several. Most of the companies, the SaaS businesses I've been working for in the last several years have had around four or five. I don't recommend beginning with more than one or two. Um, You'll then define or refine your personas and begin working on targeting. So you really want to get into those people that you're targeting. And you'll want to understand not only the people, but exactly how they're using your products to solve business challenges. You'll also want to do a really, really deep competitive analysis to see for that particular target, what's out there today? How do you differentiate yourself from that? How do you leverage some of it? Honestly, if you see things, different methodologies that are working, how can you leverage that some of that success? And you love to employ a great model uh, referred to as TAM, SAM, and SOM. (laughs) Talk to us a little bit more about TAM, which is total available market. Sure. So when you think about TAM, SAM, and SOM, and this is a great targeting tool that I really love because TAM, which is total available market, is really everything. And it's, it's helpful to know um, what what the size of your TAM is. A lot of times, you know, I'll go into businesses and they'll think their TAM is a billion. 
but they haven't thought about, okay, within this TAM, um, we're really only looking for manufacturers. So that cuts that in half. And then we have to think about the SAM, so the serviceable market. So it's the segment of the TAM targeted by your products and services, which is within your geographic reach. So in some cases, for example, um, you might only you know, serve certain markets. You might not be in the UK or you might not be in China, et cetera. So you really have to think about, okay, I'm only looking at these specific geographies. Then for the serviceable attainable market or the SOM, you really have to think about, okay, which of these companies already have a competitive software installed or have a setup or something else that would prohibit us from selling to that business? And that's when you really get the size of your market. And oftentimes when I'm doing this exercise for the first time at a company, it's far smaller than people expect it to be. And, and what's, what's good about that is that you're not spending all of that money on marketing to customers that are never going to buy your software. Well, and you're setting it up to succeed from you know the get-go, uh, which is obviously very, very important. One of the areas that, of course, our agency focuses on is an integrated approach with those owned, earned, shared, and, and paid models. And quite often, people think that it's only about digital, only about digital advertising even. Mm-hmm. Um, they're forgetting so much of that truly integrated approach. What do you have to say to those individuals who want to, what advice do you have for those individuals who know that ABM is the the next approach um, that they're going to try for their organization, but they think that they can do it with just, you know, social or just digital. Talk to us a little bit more about how important an integrated approach is here. Well, I mean, there's a lot of examples. I think that people go uh, first with paid media oftentimes, which is the most expensive marketing channel. And you think about doing a campaign where you have a single tactic. So you're going toward a customer with one message that they might see on Google, or it could be, it could be a, a paid social boost, et cetera. If they just see that, chances are, and maybe you bring them to one asset, chances of conversion aren't really that high. But if you At the same time you're sending those ads, you're launching sequences, email sequences to that same company and to the buying team. So four or five different personas. And you're also reaching out to those same companies who you know are going to be attending an upcoming um, conference to say you'll be there and et cetera, et cetera. So the more that you can surround this particular account and, and reach them through different channels, really omni-channel marketing, the more successful you're going to be in converting them. And honestly, Whisper is omni-channel. Um, and that's because the average American has, you know, seven or eight devices now that they're using all the time. Oh, I know. So you have to think about this in terms of uh, marketing and ABM as well. People are using social, they're using email, they're using SMS. So the more you can mix up your channels and the way that you're reaching them, the more chance that you have to make a connection and conversion. So we've talked about the need for ABM. We've talked about the channels um, and the integrated approach that is paramount. We've talked about the need for different uh, personas and really attacking the audience uh, from a, a lot of different avenues. What process have you developed from a strategic standpoint um, that really helps with the messaging uh, to build that top of what top of mind awareness throughout uh, the approach here. Well, I mean, 
I think that there's a, a lot of different approaches to, to building messaging. For me, marketing is about knowledge and empathy. If you don't know your pro how your product works exactly or what drives your audience, if you can't engage with them on their terms and the likelihood of success in your marketing efforts dwindles drastically. Marketers need to be ambassadors for the brands they represent, taking feedback to product management and R&D in order to ensure that the products are competitive and customers want to buy them. So I think from a quality perspective, it's just really being part of the buying process from creating the messaging to really getting to know the customers to working with product and R&D to make sure that that customer feedback is considered in, in the R&D effort. So it's a really... To me, it's it's a 360 degree immersion into the business. Yeah, I love that. You mentioned quality, which I think is a really interesting point here. How do you ensure that the desired quality uh, is achieved to meet all the brand goals, especially with a very, very deep, deep team involved? Yeah. People often think of marketing as only about persuading customers to buy products, but another market that's equally crucial is employees, the people who can bring your brand to life for your customers or not. It's essential that you deliver company-wide guidance on brand to avoid confusion in the market. After all, everyone has access to social media now, whether it's customer success, sales, or support. There are many areas of the business that interact directly with customers and prospects. So beyond hiring talented marketers that are adept at creating brand value and equity, it's important to inspire the entire business to do the same and give them the tools and resources they need to execute on that vision. I love that. We've talked a lot about how we do this. What is one of the coolest programs uh, that you've deployed that that really met all of those goals? It's hard to beat a strong customer-driven community. Getting a community off the ground is, is challenging, but if you can do it and you can find a way to get your best customers to really lead the charge, there's simply no better way to drive engagement, innovation, and renewals that I've seen. But there's a clincher. You must be open to both positive and negative input. If your community is overly moderated, it won't thrive. Not only do you get the best customer success stories this way, but you also get the best product ideas so that your innovation is outside in versus inside out. And your business becomes less of an echo chamber. There's an adage that goes, if you don't pay, then you don't have a say. Now, I'm not <laughs> sure I want to go that far, but it's certainly a good idea to hear from your customers. Oh, there's no doubt about it. So with customers in mind, then, uh, what do you feel, you know, what advice do you have for our listeners today about some of those challenges that they might be facing? Absolutely. Having, I feel like when it comes to serving customers from a marketing perspective, the biggest challenge is just time. Um, you know, marketers are maintaining company website, they're optimizing the MarTech stack, they're creating content, delivering campaigns, and so much more. Just the amount of energy and work it takes to generate demand, it's so difficult to find time to create the ideal customer journey. Also, who's more demanding from a personality perspective, sales or customer success? It's been refreshing in recent years to see that there's this renewed focus on putting the customers first. And this has been refreshing to see. But if, if marketing is going to cover this area, then it's crucial to add additional headcount to ensure there are sufficient resources. If not, generating sales pipeline will continue to trump customer marketing, especially in the SaaS industry, where new business growth is so highly valued. Yeah, additional resources, or might I add hiring an outsourced agency uh, such as Avocet 
um, that can really bolster the team up. That's true. Yeah. And I, I think people need to start looking at that scenario as well. Um, cause the cost of headcount, especially when you consider all the benefits, et cetera, it's, it's, it's not going down. <laughs> that's for sure. No, it definitely is not. You know, this is just a general question because you've shared so many insights with us today and, and some challenges, but just to make us all whole, I have to ask you, what is one of the most difficult scenarios that you've encountered in your marketing role and how did you overcome it? Hands down, the most difficult scenario I've encountered, um, and I've encountered it again and again, is what we discussed earlier, which is this status quo issue. As a change agent with a growth mindset, I will never understand the static mindset. I'm working on how to better sell my ideas and how to better navigate the conflict that change creates. I'm engineered to take the short, shortest path to revenue. And when I'm unable to do so, it keeps me up at night. So um, if anybody figures this out, let me know. <laughs> uh, well, uh, hopefully we'll get some insights from our audience on that one too. Annie, uh, we are running short of time. I can't believe it, but I have uh, so greatly appreciated your time today and, and uh, really honing in on ABM and providing our audience with some great tips on how they should, you know, take that first step to implementing it. And then some of the beware items along the way. Thank you again for spending that time with us today, Annie. I greatly appreciate you. And thank you so much for your appearance on the Integrate and Ignite podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Lori. I hope to get a chance to be a guest again in the future. Well, we'll make sure it happens. This episode is complete, but the inspiration has just begun. Head over to avocetcommunications.com for show notes and more aha moments. Tune in regularly to ignite your integrated business and marketing strategies with Lori Jones and the Integrate and Ignite podcast.